Yes, I am the frozen one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Half Passed Out Podcast. And today we are on the rocks because it is 12 degrees in what I'm calling my recording studio, which is the garage. Uh, I apologize. Minus 12 degrees. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just not 12 degrees. Yeah, no, it's a little bit chillier than that. It's below zero. Uh, But thanks for tuning in. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about watch regrets and collection regrets. Uh, But to kick us off, I am wearing my G-Shock. Because it is the only watch I can bring out to my garage without fear of condensation on the inside. <laughs> and drinking some very chilled sake. How oh, is that the sake I left? Uh, it is, yes. And it is even better cold. Yeah, it is just so much better this. cold. Yeah. Um, I'm rocking the Zello's <laughs> Black Tip today. Big shock. Classic. Um, the more I've worn it, the more I've enjoyed it. Christian and I had some discussion about initial impressions, which I haven't worn a bracelet in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wear the tag on occasions, but other than that, it's pretty rare. Uh, the bracelet itself felt a bit sharp on the wrist, uh, but after a good amount of wearing time, uh, I'm pretty used to it. So as That's far as know. aesthetics go... Uh, I really like it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fixated on this guy for a while. It is a uh, really nice watch. Well, I'm glad you finally got it. Yeah, I am too. I am too. Uh, Proud of you. I'm pairing that goals. with some Hornitos. Another classic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. Hunter, what you got what? on in this lovely night? We're indoors, by the way. Hunter and I are. I also am technically indoors. Okay. Christian is sitting (laughs) in a one-paned wall uh, where it is still negative 12 degrees regardless of the insulation that he says he has. (laughs) Well, today uh, I I am wearing the Apple Watch Series 5. Wow. First Apple Watch. I wanted to remind Christian of the temperature throughout the episode. (laughs) So in Southern Colorado, it is minus nine and I'm going to keep him up to date throughout the episode. Just good fun. I appreciate that. Um, Yep. And I, I have paired that with a whiskey and Coke. Ooh, nice. I don't remember the last time I had a whiskey and Coke. We need to drink more hard alcohol on this channel, I think. Will, you've just been carrying that torch on your own. Yeah, the tequila, um, as I just drank some, uh, is a choice, but I'm doing it for the bit. <laughs> and I'm not going to end that there. So, yep. you know. Hey, it's respect for the craft. It's something. <laughs> well, what watch regrets do you guys have? In your yeah. collections or in, I guess, the past few years? What's come up? Yeah, that's the theme for today uh, is watch regrets and what I think I've ran into and and maybe what I think others run into. But for me, I think I've spoken about it for sure. The good old Zelos Miss. Mm. Um, I was so set on that watch and I I decided not to pull the trigger for whatever reason. And I think I wish I at least had given it a shot. You know, you can always return it. so uh, I think that's uh, that was my biggest one for a long time. Uh, but that that's my kind of main personal one. I think other ones where I feel fixated on needing a certain 
type of watch. So automatic is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we should throw shade even now a bit too much on quartz. Quartz is a great great product and keeps costs low for and you can get into a really nice watch with quartz. So uh, that's probably one of my other regrets that I would love to work on. But um, yeah, I don't know. What, what about you guys? What are some big watch regrets for you? I haven't had any personal uh, watch regrets that are too lasting. So I'm lucky in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that one of the um, easy watch mistakes that I made um, was finding a watch that was um, like stylistically, it, it was something that I wanted to try, but it didn't end up being um, something that I wanted to, that I got a chance to wear ahead of time. And so we talk about how just trying something on can change your perspective quite a lot. So I ordered mm-hmm. a watch online um, and I ended up pretty much immediately returning it. It was the Orient Bambino. It was an open heart model. I believe it was a white dial. And I put it on and didn't look or feel right. Uh, I wasn't as comfortable as I thought it was going to be. Um, as Will mentioned, you do get that opportunity to switch it back. But at that point, it was more of just a, hey, like I wasn't buying for the size or comfort at that point. And mm-hmm. so I, I took advantage of that uh, return policy. Um, but that that's my one um, situation I've been in where I'm like, wow, I regret making the purchase. Um, again, still in that window. So it was really solid. Luckily, I wasn't making any bets with a trade um, where the return uh, agreement might be a little bit different. Um, we're working within the gray market. But it, when it comes to size and comfort, we say it a lot, but try on the watches, make sure that it's the right fit for you. Because at the end of the day, if it's not a comfortable watch, you're just not going to wear it. Yeah. Um, and so that that's something that has uh, been a growing trend for me is making sure that I can put the get the watch on the wrist ahead of time well that happened to you too right with the brew is that what yeah yeah the brew is up there also on one of my regret lists um just going through i would say it it was something that i just kind of i think opposite to the zello situation where i didn't pull the trigger and it became the most elusive watch for me for a very long time uh, the brew, I was able to get in on a drop really quickly, and uh, especially during its primary hype. They've produced so many now that I think it's died down a bit on those, but the brew was just a bit smaller than I'd liked, and, and I didn't love the feel of it on my wrist. It just was a bit light for me, so I, you know, I, I don't regret that decision to purchase it, but ultimately it was a, a returned watch, so... You know, give and take there. I'm glad I pulled the trigger on the brew. Either way, mm-hmm. I did end up actually making a good amount of money off of it anyway. <laughs> um, so that plays a role. But for the most part, I'm glad I tried it on. I think that's the biggest remedy with Hunter and I's situations is is pull the trigger and understand that you you know uh, you can always return it, but it's worth trying on, right? Mm-hmm. I, for the most part, uh, if you're ever unsure about a watch it's always worth 
trying on, you know, especially if you buy it and return it, you can own it for the day, see if it's something you get used to or where it can wear out. Uh, if it doesn't settle, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times watches do okay if they're so lightly owned. It's not like a, a, a full used market watch just yet. So just things to consider on that end. Christian, have you had any of those? Any watches that you've purchased and regretted? Any watches that you're glad you tried, per se? Um, none that I've bought, and, like, none that I've regretted owning individually, if that makes sense. Like, I've really enjoyed my time with all the watches that have come and gone through my collection. Uh, my biggest regret is honestly going quantity over quality. Like, kind of like with following the hype, I felt like I had to have a big watch collection to be a, a collector, to be an enthusiast, uh, and hence the tight 20. Um, but I wear so few of those watches, and the ones that I do wear are the ones that I like handpicked with care and put a lot of thought into. And there are a few like gift watches and things that I have still wear regularly as well that were part of that process, but... Yeah, I would have, like, going back to the beginning, I would have just put in a lot more time and research as opposed to necessarily going straight for, like, the watch gang, the wrist mafia sort of mentality. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll go into watch boxes. That's on my list of just in general things that could be regrets. Mm-hmm. Um and I think watch boxes do have a correct niche in the watch world. Totally. And in watch collecting, I think it can get you into watches that if you may not have been into watches in the first place, I think it gets you to try on things that you didn't know you liked, mm-hmm. uh, especially at a relatively low cost, at least in the watch hobby. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't get it trying to get like your favorite pieces of all time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think it again, it's a good introduction. And to that note, I would caution going on the, the super high end ones. I think those middle tier options are usually pretty good for those watch box mm-hmm. situations um, where you know, if you pick the lowest option, it's hard not to always get crap. <laughs> um, but the the middle tier options are kind of made for you to be able to try out styles that you otherwise wouldn't. And uh, I think that fits that specific niche, but nothing really more. I don't think it's really meant to build your collection. And um, that's, I think, a regret that I have been able to avoid. But because of the way they've marketed, easy to fall into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've sung the praises of like watch gang and wrist mafia, especially early mm-hmm. on in this show because they very much have their place. Yeah. I think I just went overboard with it at the beginning and just needed, I was getting three, four watches a month at one point from just different avenues services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so again, they've got their place. It's a good way to start. And I do recommend it for anybody who wants to check out watches, but not spend a ton of money. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Hunter has some as well. Uh, but yeah, I definitely went way too overboard and should have put, just put in a little bit more thought at the beginning. 
Yeah, I think the especially with those watch box services subscriptions, you have to go in with the mentality that you will not absolutely adore every single one. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it'll be impossible for any service to do that. Um, but going in knowing that, hey, you're here to learn a little bit more about what you might like, what you don't like, um, and it gets you gets watches on the wrist that you might not have tried in the past. Mm-hmm. Has there been a watch you got from that one of those services that you decided the watch may not be for you, but you really like the style of it? Uh, I I learned that I actually do like the look of some of the pilot style watches. Yeah. Um, so I think there was one watch, um, I believe it was Aromat. I think Christian mm-hmm. might actually own the same Yeah, you and skew. I have the same watch. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing being watch buddies with Christian. Yeah. Um, but seeing that on my wrist, I would have originally said there's no way I'd try it. And after seeing that, you can definitely, I, I, I now have uh, an affinity for some of those aviator styles. Um, and so I've, I've continued to look and I, there, there are some, there are some skews out there that I really do enjoy, um, and and looking to uh, put on the wrist eventually. One of the other um, interesting ones that came across my desk when considering regrets um, comes down to the maintenance of your watch. Interesting. I think that it's easy to just say, "Yep, I'll buy a watch," and understanding that depending on which watch you get, there's a different level of maintenance that come alongside with it. When you buy a G-Shock, it is a set it, forget it, and you can put it anywhere. You rarely have to double check the time. Some of them actually check with the universal time code and make sure mm-hmm. that it's always up to date. Um, all of the, some of those, there's very little maintenance. Whereas if you get a more luxury timepiece potentially that has more complications um, and uh, functionality that you need to continually service. That's something that is that I has come into consideration. Things like just regular cleaning. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, a lot of these materials do need that regular cleaning, um, even for those metal bracelets. If you have like water resistance um, and you're actually using your watch for what it was built to do, like a, a diver, um, you, you'll want to make sure that that water's resistance is checked before you go diving with a $4,000 watch that will <laughs> immediately get waterlogged if it's not properly calibrated. Little things like that, or even something as simple as like a, a quartz battery replacement, right? If that's something that you're you're not familiar with you'll need to be aware that hey that some of them are pretty easily self-service other times you might want to consider going to your local watch um servicer and you can get that done but what, what do you guys think about the watch servicing and maintenance side of things yeah i think that's actually an argument for and against certain luxury brands and mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to pick out rolex because the one thing they are good at is once you buy that uh, those movements are pretty known to just tank through time. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're pretty unbelievable. And that's, that's kind of why they get the reputation they get. Um, but to Hunter's point, again, if, if something happens to, let's say you go maybe a different route again, I'm going to give Rolex the praise there and assume it's going to take a long time for that to happen. Uh, obviously the service costs would be expensive as any luxury item would be. 
But if you have, say, a watch that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to pick out a, a specific brand because I don't know the service history based on uh, AP and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine they're all still great. But when something like that happens, first of all, the service time is increased. If you take a, a piece like that to a local watch, uh, watch shop, typically they have to order parts through the dealer and, and everything like that. So it just takes a lot of time and, and maintenance and it can get very costly. Whereas the quartz side of things, it is just a battery replacement. Now there is a, a luxury thought to the, you know, just it being automatic. You never need a battery. Um, but, uh, it, that's a very unique case to, um, cost difference. So, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I think I mean, the servicing in general is somewhat known. I think it's less known on the cheaper end. Uh, I think on the high end, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, especially like cheap automatics. People that mm-hmm. spend three to five hundred dollars on an auto, their first automatic watch or whatever it is, hardly ever think about servicing them. As I'm speaking as one of those people, you know, who I probably need to go get my spinnaker here serviced to make sure it's keeping time. Mm-hmm. I think vintage watches people forget about too. Like my Longines, I need to go get serviced here soon. But like I even said at the beginning of this show. I can't wear them in the garage right now because they have, they're just so old that they will condensate so quickly against my skin. And so, yeah, that care and that service that people don't think about necessarily could absolutely be a big regret. Yeah. The one thing I'd add is with micro brands in particular, where that's where typically you're going to find your first set of automatic movements at a cheaper cost. Mm Mm-hmm. I, it's really important to know which movement you're getting with that. I know, you know, I think we've talked about movements in general being kind of an overhyped item. Uh, but you just want a reliable movement, I guess, is my point, as opposed to maybe a more unknown or typically a movement that becomes faulty quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, a lot of people try to throw. Uh, Seiko movements in there because they last a long time or Eta movements or Slata movements. It just depends. Miota as well. Um, I'm very cautious of, and there's, I try to remember the micro brand. There's a few micro brands that do like their own in-house movement. And that scares me the most. I, (laughs) that as much as those pieces are luxury pieces, because an in-house movement is a luxurious thing to own in general. I think on a micro brand level, they're going to be one of the only people that can service it. Uh, or, you know, your local watch shop will just be less familiar with it in the first place. Again, it, it won't be too different from typical movements, but it, it's just not the same. And that, that stresses me out a bit more. So, uh, I do think on the lower end, it's just important maybe to double check that you're getting the value on a movement that the, uh, brand is charging for. So, I think another regret a lot of people run into is selling watches and just immediately missing them or like having the regret of the sale. Have you guys run into that? I haven't. I've sold a few watches and the pieces that I've sold, I've either tried on or 
I very briefly wore a green uh, ocean crawler that I got, but it was like 50 millimeters. And I like big watches, and it was just too big for me. Oh, so yeah. I did sell that piece. And that, that honestly, the only regret I had is how long it took to sell. But <laughs> um, I can see where if you don't give the watch enough time. Yeah. Um, or I would make the argument maybe try changing from bracelet to band. Uh, I went back and forth for a long time about my Luminox that I now wear quite a bit. And it used to be on a metal bracelet and it was so heavy. It's a, it was a great looking piece. It still is a great looking piece, but man, it was so heavy to wear uh, to the point where it was kind of difficult for me to wear. Mm -hmm. And it came with a leather band and I was just always curious how that would go. And I haven't switched that back since uh, for a lot of reasons. I love the aesthetic of it, but also it complements the watch in yeah. feel so much more. And if you're ever just unsure about a watch, we've time and time again said, Hey, think about changing the, the bracelet or band. It can revitalize the watch. And I stand by that more than anything. I think that has helped a lot of my watches in the past. And I, I'm really a big fan of that, that premise. Well, I think that's what your Aventurin needs. I think it needs a different strap. I like it. I'm comfortable with it. You've also uh, worn it a lot more than me. That's fair. Yeah, I've probably worn it a full 36 hours nice. since Thursday. Do you wear your watches to sleep? Not typically, but <laughs> this one I did just to see if I could get used to it. Hmm. And... Uh, I have gotten more and more used to it. Uh, I will say again, it, it, that initial impression does come across a bit sharp. And for me, it, it just been a while since I've worn a, a daily driven, a yeah. bracelet. So it, it took a moment, but yeah, I, I am used to it now. So uh, it just takes time sometimes. And I'm not saying that I won't change it down the road. I think, this watch is going to be susceptible to that, to be honest. But um, that's just kind of the fun of the game. On the note of that, I will say one other minor gripe I have in my current watch uh, collecting journey. I really would love to get, <laughs> it's a very basic thing, get the tool to punch out my uh, bracelets and bands. Because yeah, go spend the five to, bucks on a kit. <laughs> yeah, going to right time. Given I haven't had to do it a ton, but going to right time for fifteen bucks uh, and enough of my time. Again, it's more just getting the excuse to go to right time at this point. That's fair. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do want my own little kit. To it's so they're so cheap on Amazon. I've I've looked them up. I I need to do that. Yeah, uh, that was worthwhile for sure. Yeah, I would make the argument that that's a worthwhile thing to learn, just how to punch your, your own bracelet out. So, uh, Are there any trends you guys have fallen into that you regret? Or trends that you missed, potentially? I talked about quartz, and I think that's, that's one of the... Uh, fading away from quartz is one of them. Mm. I would say my other current one is I 
don't love this is gonna be a hot take. Um, I don't love the uh, diamond or the Tiffany blue. Ooh, interesting. <sighs> wow, well, I don't know if we can be friends. <laughs> uh, it doesn't fit for me. I have I I actually think Hunter's Casio looks really good. I think in general the dial looks great. The watch itself looks great. I think objectively I could say it looks good, but it's not for me. That's fair. Interesting. I've worn it enough uh, between yours and another one I've seen in store uh, that I just, yeah. Tiffany blue doesn't fit on my wrist for me. I can't say I sympathize, sympathize with that. Fair. Yeah, no. I am a Tiffany a shoe. Take. I knew right away. This That's is rough. the hot take in this specific chat for sure. I think one of the things that I'm happy to be an owner of is this Apple Watch I've got on here. Uh, I think that it's easy to discredit um, a lot of these smart watches, um, mm-hmm. but it is one of the largest segments um, just in wristwatches in general, um, whether it be mechanical, automatic, quartz, a smartwatch, et cetera. It is one of those um, industries that also moves at the pace of technology. Um, yeah. And so that that's something that's very exciting to be a part of. Um, that At the same time, there, it's, a, it's a dual-edged sword, right? Because you do have a limited t- time span on every single smartwatch you purchase. Mm. Whereas you can pick up a really nice luxury piece, whether it be automatic or mechanical. And as long as you're getting regular servicing, taking care of it, it's going to take care of you and generations to come for a long, long time. And that's something that our smart watches presumably will never be able to do. Um, so that, that's something that I, I'm happy that I'm a part of. I can play both sides um, and it's, yeah. it's, you know, be able to see the beauty in both sides of it. Uh, but that that's definitely one of the trends that I've hopped on, been a part of this wagon for a long time. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it to watch some of the new innovations as we continue. Are you an early adopter? Do you get the new generation every time? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. If there's if there is, I'll call it like a, an evergreen opportunity. So like a version one of something, then I'm very likely to get version one, if not version one, version two. But once once it starts to become more and more adopted um, across the market, I slowly become a person that will purchase their new item that came out two years ago. Okay. So a good example is I'm probably due for a new iPhone. I have- You've got the the iPhone 3G, right? Yep. (laughs) Uh, I'm on the iPhone 11, um, but if I were okay, to make a yeah. purchase, it would be the iPhone 13, which came out two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you know is 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 a perplexing thing. That being said, Apple Vision Pro, you that's might see ask. me in one of those. You might see ask. me in one of those. Apple Vision Pro pre-orders. <laughs> I, I I got the emails too, man. Yeah. Apple Vision Pro is a version one, right? Yeah, it's a it's V1, uh, and if it's not a V1, it's likely a V2. So catch me in the next episode. 
in <laughs> with your pre-order VR right? headset. Um, <laughs> Caleb just spent. They're twenty five hundred bucks. Thirty five. Thirty five. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, Perfect. Either way, yeah, it's an exciting. Hey, get us each one. Yeah. Hey, it's it's exciting. So if I I'd be willing to bet that that VR headset tells time. Arguably, it so. could be a watch. <laughs> I believe yes. you. I so. do believe you. I would say um, here's a random prediction in a regrets episode that could lead to regrets. I bet that VR headset resells for seven. Seven grand? Mm-hmm. I think it's reselling for 85.9. Oh, okay. more. You're going yeah. more. I went double. I went just 2x. <laughs> I think it's going to sell out so quick. Uh, oh, you know, hot too. take for all of you scalpers and bots out there. <laughs> Um, yeah, All those are going to resell like crazy. Let me tell you that segues perfectly into my next regret. And that is financial overcommitment. Yeah. I think that <laughs> if you are getting into a watch where it causes financial strain on you and your family, that is not the watch for you, my friend. Um, mm-hmm. this, this is a luxury piece. It's a luxury hobby. Um, and it, it comes down to, yes, it's jewelry, right? And so no one needs to be taken out a second mortgage for just to have a nice watch. Um, and not financial advice, but the wristwatch like game advice. is not an investment piece. Exactly. <laughs> Don't buy with the intention of reselling. It's also arguably a shitty thing to do if you know that the uh price of a certain skew will go up in the future or have reason you to call me off for that's the, the case yes I exactly am. <laughs> so don't don't get a watch just because it's crazy expensive and you're not going to be able to live the life you're currently living with that watch uh, you are the same person with or without any watch um so that that is advice so don't do it um yeah. So I don't know, Christian. I'd think of you differently if you owned a Daytona. Uh, I would also think of myself differently, but I wouldn't be talking to you fools if I owned a Daytona. So, <laughs> there. Uh, no. And I think that's honestly that's a pretty respectable thing I've seen in a lot of other like big watch influencers, like Teddy Baldassar, Kevin O'Leary, producer Michael. I think are probably some of the biggest three names out there, along mm-hmm. with us, of course. Um, who are also like reiterating that same mentality. Don't overspend your on a watch or don't stretch yourself because there's so many people on just instagram and youtube blinging out their ap's and you're not cool if you've got one yeah don't do something stupid for a watch there's so many watches out there that that can give you an equivalent feeling in my opinion yeah um if not a better feeling Uh, you're gonna feel like hunter said worse if it's something that's just gonna remind you of being burdened um, it, it feels better to own something that uh, doesn't burn, burden you at all and only brings you the joy of the watch itself. There's so many watches out there. There's a, enough out there that I would say, even though it is a, a luxury hobby, it's again, it's jewelry. But yeah. there, this jewelry ranges pretty heavily. I mean, you can get jewelry from $100 to millions of dollars so it, it does fit a lot of people and um that, that's part of why we like micro brands and other stuff like that because it is accessible and and 
it is what we talk about most of the time. Sure, we bring up the and uh, roll on bad watches like the Patek, um, but you know, <laughs> yeah. teach her own on that. Uh, in general, I, I think to to that same sentiment, but even further, just look for another watch that you might enjoy even more. Just keep looking; they exist. Yeah, the hunt never stops. And then you're saving yeah, up even more money been theoretically. For a red watch for a month. <laughs> oh, longer than that, my friend. <laughs> there you go. The hunt is fun. The oh, hunt it, is a good time. It's very enjoyable. Underrated. It's oh, you guys. Uh, any other notes on watch regrets? I think that wraps it up pretty thoroughly. But I think one last thing that Will mentioned um, that goes really well with just trendy watches. A good example is that MTP Casio and Tiffany Blue. It was a very mm-hmm. trendy watch. We recommended it as one of the best watches of 2023. And you know yeah. what? It wasn't for Will. So guess what? He's not going to buy it. And so if Will were to purchase that watch just because it's trendy and just because we recommended it on Half Passed Out Podcast, subscribe if you're not already, <laughs> he would have regrets and he would sell that watch and he might make 20 bucks on it, but that would be a shitty thing to do. Yeah. And I don't mind being shitty, but yeah. you can experience all my regrets in our Discord if you hit us up on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> what a plug. Yeah, well, yeah thank you all that. so much for Only listening. Only regret that a little. <laughs> no, never regret a plug. <laughs> yeah, Instagram, tell your friends about us, YouTube, Patreon, the whole shebang. Um, support us because we love doing this and we want to keep doing it. Uh, thank you so much for listening, y'all. Cheers. Cheers.